0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We are glad that you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. All right, let's get in it. This is going to be a powerful, powerful sermon, powerful message this morning. Um, And the Lord has really put this in my heart ever since, really, ever since I got saved. Back in 2003, the Lord saved me. What does that mean, though? All right, this is a terminology that we use all the time. But what does being saved mean? Um, Well, you know, the only thing I can relate to it is how, what happened to me. What actually happened? The experience that actually happened. Um, So, at one point in time in my life, I was not a preacher. I was not a Christian Amen. Even though I grew up in the church, like most of us in America have some exposure to the church in some way. All right. Most of us grew up in the church. Most of us had some type of influence from the church. Um, A lot of it negative, some of it negative, some of it positive. Uh, But I grew up in the church. My daddy was a preacher, but that didn't stop me from hitting them streets. Amen. (laughs) I love my daddy and I appreciate everything that he put in my life, but. Um, I started doing what I want. What I felt like doing. Until Jesus started trying to get my attention. All right. And um, he started trying to get my attention through signs. I mean, almost through anything. Um, I was on the road to getting worse. You know, we started out smoking blunts, drinking every now and then. But then that life carried over to a daily habit. So, you know, we start trying to taste all kind of drugs. It's all type of stimulants, trying to get satisfied in some way, some type of stimulant. And so, um, you know, that eventually led to snorting cocaine, lacing the blunts, with, uh, lacing the cocaine with, the, you know, on them blunts and smoking that. And then the Lord started getting my attention because that life started wrapping me up Well, I couldn't just shake it, you know, I couldn't let it go couldn't stop it. Um, try stopping. I remember one time I tried quitting weed, but then I started drinking every day, you know, and then by the time I got so drunk and started weed, smoking again, I'm up, I'm hooked on everything now, you know, and, and, and the enemy, man, he just want to wrap you up, all right, and I tried quitting. This is why I know Jesus work, all right, and um, so one day I'm laying in my bed with my girl. She my wife now for what? 14, almost 14, amen, 14 years, my lovely wife, and um, back then she was my girlfriend, and um, I was laying in the bed one night, and um, the Lord, man, started dealing with me, and I I was thinking about when the last time I prayed, because it was a long stretch between I prayed, at least I would get my sins forgiven, you know, at least I would get my sins forgiven, y'all know what I mean by that? Lord forgive me. I remember driving home drunk from uh, from parties, cause I know I could get in a wreck. You know, I'm drunk driving, so I try to get my sins forgiven real quick, just in case I'm about to die. <laughs> How many of y'all thought like that? Yeah. Me. I tried to get my sins forgiven. Lord forgive me. Lord forgive me. And uh, so um, it came to a point where I, I I had stopped doing that, and so I, I had remembered in my mind. And and the Lord started getting my attention. And I was like, man, when the last time I prayed? Man, I ain't got my sins forgiven. You know, and I started thinking about God. I started thinking about God. And then uh, the Lord Jesus started showing me the signs. Because my heart felt like it was about to bust out of my chest because I was doing that cocaine. So I I thought I was going to die anytime just living this type of life. Uh, So I was laying in my bed one night. And I started crying. I started crying and crying and crying. I didn't know why I was crying. And everybody was asleep, but, you know, I was just letting the tears flow. Amen. We'll be honest sometimes. We have done that. <laughs> and um, so I was, I t- I told the Lord that night, okay, Lord, you know, because I felt like he was harassing me. How many of y'all ever got harassed by the Lord? Like he couldn't, like I'm trying to, you know, fight them off. You know, but it's like trying to fight the wind or some gnats or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't gonna win when trying to fight gnats. You know? So I said, uh, I said, okay, Lord, okay, like that in my bed. So the next morning, I ain't think nothing of it. You know, I got up, cashed my check, went to the bistro, went to the dope man house. You know, didn't think nothing about that prayer, and. We was over my homies and, dude, and uh, this guy knocked on the door trying to sell or recruit people to sell insurance. And I said, man, yeah, i sell some insurance right quick. You know, to some family members, you know, make a couple, a couple extra bucks real quick. But when I got to, he said, come over to the office later. It was a Tuesday. He told me to come over to his office later. I went to the office. After we, he checked everything out. And then at the end, he said, what about Jesus? And I was like, and that's when all the emotions from last night, because I totally forgot about that prayer, y'all. And that's when all the emotions from last night came on me, and he seen a tear come down. I said, man, I've been thinking about that lately, you know, like that. And then he said, follow me. You know, let me take you to my house. I want to show you something. And so I followed him to the house, and wh- while I was in the car, my mind began to flip, uh, and the enemy started working on me. He's, these questions started coming to my mind. Uh, what, you, you about to stop having sex? I said, oh, yeah. You about, he said, you about to stop smoking now? You know, that's when these thoughts started coming. I was so in thought that I wasn't even, I couldn't recall me turning. You know, I was just following him, and all of a sudden, we at his house. And so I'm sitting in front of his house, and he was trying he said, you don't know this dude. Turn off. You don't know them. You know, I didn't know it was the devil. I just thought it was thoughts coming into my mind. Because in the world, you're totally oblivious of what the devil doing. I'm going to give you some revelation. In the world, you have no revelation of the devil. You don't know when he's working. You don't know when. You always, you just thought he was in people like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or Hitler or something like that. You thought he was just one of those, you know, those real bad people, you know. So we have zero understanding on the devil and his tactics when you're in darkness. I'm talking about very little. If it is an understanding, then it's always skewed or it's always the costume on Halloween with the pointy, you know, and the pitchfork uh, Hollywood gave us. And we have no way of knowing how is he working on me. All right. And so I pulled up, I went in the house, he showed me some scriptures. He uh, went to one scripture, when the Holy, when you, uh, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10 verse 13. So when he showed me that scripture, the only thing I can remember is when my daddy, we was little, my daddy used to walk around the house praying. And we would, he would make us pray, but we didn't know how to pray, so he would just tell us to call on Jesus. So he'd say, just call on Jesus. And we would be walking around the house or on our knees, five and six years old. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So that's all I knew. When I heard that verse that said, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, my mind went back to that. And so he said, you ready? My palms were sweating. I had weed in my pocket, been in the trunk, and my palms were sweating. I'm a grown man. And he asked me, was I ready? So I said, yeah. And I stood up. As soon as I stood up, I closed my eyes. I lift my hands up like this. And I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And about the fourth time, I said, Jesus, I felt something hit me that I never felt my entire life. And But it felt good, though. But I was crying like a baby. You're like, why am I crying? You know, I'm like, what in the world am I crying about? I'm a grown man. But the power of God hit me. I didn't know about the power of God, but this was the power of God. Hit me. And I felt that warmness hit my head and went all through my body. And uh, I actually thought he was doing something to me. I was, I was like, what, is, what in the world are you doing to me? <laughs> you know, and my mind was like, what in the world going on? Because there's nothing you can reference it to. You just have to experience it. And so after that, I went over to my homie's house. And I began to smoke. We begin to roll the blood. And as I was rolling the blood, that's when the first time I got, convic- I got convicted about smoking weed. Ever since that day, I've been talking about Jesus. Ever since that day, I've been talking about Jesus. Now, what we're talking about this morning is how to be a witness. And I must let you know that since that day, um, ain't none of them friends around. I'm my wife. You know, everybody that was in my clique then, you know, they gone, man. They been gone. Jesus separated us because he started. I got convicted about smoking weed, and I yielded to it. So that was my last blunt. All right? So when I yielded to smoking that blunt that night, then my... um, the thing that brought our my relationships to people ended. Y'all know what I mean? So, all right, let's look at it. Relationship. The root word in relationship is to relate. Every relationship has some point of relatability. It's, every relationship has something in it that causes you to bond together. All right, that causes you to be in a relatable state. So you you can have a friend. And I found out once I smoked stop smoking weed, then I found out who was really my friends because of us because of me smoking weed. Alright? Amen. So when Jesus changed me, he started dealing with this. He started dealing with that. He started dealing with stuff he never I never felt before inside that was wrong. Never felt it before. I just knew it would probably be wrong in my head, but that didn't stop me from doing it. That wasn't enough just knowing something is wrong don't stop you. How many of you have that out? Yeah. That don't stop you. No, it don't. No. It's just, you know. No. It's <laughs> That's right, Jack. It don't even slow you down. <laughs> and so, uh, what we're focusing on this morning is how to evangelize. But first, before I was, before we can be effective at evangelizing or Letting someone else know about Jesus, all right? We have to first have experience for ourselves, all right? I said this before. It's like trying to explain to someone how this steak tastes and you ain't never tasted it. It's, time, it's like trying to explain a movie to someone that everybody else says is good, but you ain't never saw it, all right? You know, it's like saying, "Oh man, that Tupac movie was off the chain," and I ain't never seen it. All right, mm-hmm. but it's different when you have experienced something, when you have not tasted it. You have it's it's real because it's coming from um, you and how it did you. You know, mm-hmm. so your taste buds stimulate that, that steak talk. Amen. I was over my brother in them house yesterday. Them, them baked beans was off the chain. All right? And don't tell my wife what I said. <laughs> 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 oh, Lord Jesus. I ain't say it. I did not say it. She said it. Amen. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Church on the mission. Today's title, How to Evangelize, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to, through 20, all right? And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. No, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe observe. All things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Say witnesses. Witnesses Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message Thank you for your people. Lord, teach me. I yield to you, Lord. I don't know, Lord God, unless you teach me. Teach me how to deliver this message to your people. Lord, use me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. um, As believers, Jesus has commissioned us to be a certain way or to uh, introduce others to know Christ. Now, these are some alarming statistics, and many people, it's sad to say have not led anyone to the Lord. Many Christians have not led anyone to the Lord ever. All right, ask yourself this question. When is the last time you led someone to the Lord? Ask yourself another question. If one of your friends came to you asking you about Jesus and how do you get saved, what will you tell them? Could you accurately give them the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? is, or what it means, or what is the gospel to you, all right? Ask yourself this question. Do you know how to deliver or help another come to the Lord? All right, because as believers, Jesus is supposed to be good, saints. He's supposed to be good enough to what we want to tell somebody, all right? So if Jesus isn't that good, then we must seek to know him. We must seek to understand, what am I talking about, all right? We must have the understanding. He has to be better, saints. Jesus has to be better. Amen. Alright, listen to this. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Less than 2%, this is pathetic, but less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. 71% do not give towards the finances of the Great Commission. Um particular uh, denomination did a survey. Sixty-three percent of the leaderships in this denomination, including deacons, elders, have not led one stranger to Jesus in the last two years. Listen, that's not good, saints. Forty-nine percent of leadership's, leadership ministries spend zero time in an average week ministering outside the church. Eighty-nine percent of leadership ministries ministries have zero time reserved on their list of weekly priorities for going out to evangelize. 99% of the leadership ministries believe that every Christian, including leadership, has been commanded to preach the gospel to a lost world. 97% believe that if the leadership had a greater conviction and involvement in evangelism, that it would be an example for the church to follow. consume what is Christianity all about what's this stuff what are we doing like what are we doing just go to church you know want to be a part of a ministry what is church all about think about that amen because when I was out in the world, when I was out there serving the devil, not one person mentioned Jesus to me, except when when this guy asked me, what about Jesus? One, Not one person. All right? And Jesus says he's given us commission. What is that? He's given us instructions to Christians, not just church elders, not just evangelists, not just people who, you know, who are in leadership, this is for all across the board, Christians. Do you know how to lead someone to the Lord? If you don't, then why? Ask you another question. Why is there no desire for another? The Bible says when you come from death unto life, then you will love the brethren. One of the evidence that you've been born again is that you will have a love in your heart that wasn't there before for people. Not just for your family members, not just for your kids, not just those who you're close to, but you will have a love in your heart that come into your heart for people. You will start being concerned. When I, when I got saved, I never was concerned with somebody else going to heaven on my job. But that was before I got saved. But after I got saved, I was like, hmm, I wonder who else in here have got saved. Who else got Jesus? In here. Those thoughts never occurred to me before. I started wondering about another. Who else have experienced what I experienced? And so I'm not saying that you got to be perfect and have everything together, but there's something in you that should be inquiring about another person's salvation. Should be a love there. All right. For someone else. All right. So if you, if you don't know how to lead no one to the Lord, I'm a, I will walk you through that instructions. And we call this the Roman road. Have you ever heard of that terminology, the Roman road? And that represents a series of scriptures that takes you from one place to another to ultimately give, get a person saved or bring them to Christ and where they accept Jesus. All right the heart must be prepared to receive depending on the person the lord is working on the lost and many are at different places in their life romans 1:16 says for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god to salvation for everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek all right and one of the qualities of leading someone to the lord is not being ashamed of the gospel many christians i'm telling you many christians are ashamed of jesus they say statements like, you know, it don't take all that. Yes, it do, if you know where I came, what I came out of. Shoot, man. The church I was going to before this one, I said, Lord, if this it to the Christian life, I'm going back to smoking and drinking. And they was good people. But I was serious because it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I knew I wasn't gonna last. I wasn't gonna last. And a week later, I got led to this church and been consistent 14 years. You know, I mean, we we applaud and stuff that we've been married 14 years, but I couldn't have did that stuff without Jesus, man. I'm telling you, man, you cannot be faithful without Jesus. You know how many women all just tried to throw themselves at me? And without Jesus, I would have failed for that stuff. When I got saved, Jesus told me to tell everybody on my job that... What happened to you? I told everybody. Then when I got engaged, this is what scared me the most. He said, now you got to tell them all you about to get married. I said, no, Lord, not that. Because they knew me before. And I tried to holler at some of them, you know. (laughs) And uh, I was like, no. And then I told them, though. And them same ones that I tried to holler at. Now they all in my face talking about, oh, you know, just whenever, whenever you're ready. Throwing self. And for one, for Jesus, he said, that's the devil. You know why I knew it was the devil? Because I was like, girl, give me some time. And she never would. Then I get saved. Now all of a sudden she's available. All of a sudden, I'm getting right. I'm telling them I'm getting married and all that stuff. Uh, uh, oh, oh, let me go ahead. Them devils manifested. And I knew it was the devil because of how I was living, all right? But we have not, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. If you got Jesus, man, tell somebody, amen? Don't be scared, man. A lot of times we, we, we rationalize in our head that this is only for me. I remember they tried to make me special in the church by saying, Pastor Jasper, you're anointed. You're a powerful man of God. I know you're anointed, too. You're a powerful woman of God, too. You're a powerful man of God, too. You've been called to be just like this. Amen? The the witnessing and the soul winning ain't just supposed to be up to me. Amen? Jesus loved you just as much he loved me. I am no different. I am not special. Amen. The Bible, let me take you through this role. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. All right, when you're going along this process of letting someone know about Jesus, many times you will have many people, there's many people out there that think they're Okay that the gospel is not pertaining to them, that the gospel is pertaining to those who are in prison or those bunch of thugs that hang on the corner and, and the gospel is not for them, all right? And many who believe that, they believe in their good works, they believe in, you know, it's, listen, it's good to go down to the mission and hand out food and that you bless your cousin or you took care of your grandmama light bill and all that stuff is cool, but none of that stuff saves you. Amen. The, the truth is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right. So we need to somehow let people know that they need Jesus. But many, of the, many times people don't know they need Jesus. All right. So a lot of times we have to bring up analogies and the Bible says uh, the law is perfect to convert the soul. And sometimes real good people, a lot of good people think they okay because they pay their taxes, you know, they do the speed limit, you know what I'm saying? And you know, they cuss their wife out and stuff every now and then, but they all right. They ain't hurting. No, I mean, you heard this. I ain't hurt nobody. All right. But Psalms 19 and seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect to convert the soul. Now, let me further explain this in a civil law. What if I walked up to you and begin to tell you the great news that uh, someone just paid your $25,000 speeding ticket, all right? The person begins to tell you, that's great, but I don't have a $25,000 speeding ticket. So, to the person who don't know They have a $25,000 speeding ticket. Someone paying it isn't good news. It's almost offensive. Why are you just assuming that I got a fine when I don't even know I have a fine? So many of the times people come and witness to people. You know, Jesus died for your sins. And they're like, what are you talking about? What sins? I'm straight. You need to go talk to those. You see those boys down there playing basketball? I thought I heard some gunshots over there the other night. You need to go talk to them. And in the sad reality, the person who's pointing need Jesus just as bad. Just as a sinner as the guys who down there smoking weed and selling dope on the corner. Amen. But now let's say this another way. On the way to this meeting, you was clocked going 55 in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, and you didn't recognize the warning signs and about the reducing speed signs. This created a $25,000 fine, and while you was coming to this meeting, someone generously paid your fine, all right? Now, let's look at that in the context of Scripture. Once a person understands they have broken the law, that good news is good news indeed. All right? So let's, how do this look in the context of bringing this to a sinner? A lot of times, many people, um, you have to bring the law in. What I mean by that is the Bible says thou shalt not lie or steal or kill. All right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Let's not go to kill. How about lie? All right, How many of y'all ever told a lie before? Don't lie. <laughs> Don't be lying now. Talking about you ain't lied. <laughs> All right. So me, I have before. I'm glad I'm forgiven. But before we go to we're forgiven, that sin must incur some type of judgment. Many people want to go to, but God forgives. They want to jump all the way to God forgives when you mention they sin, all right? But this is not accurate according to scriptures, all right? right, five uh, Romans 5.12 says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans six twenty three says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, In Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is just. All right. So what does that mean? It means this. If you committed a crime, that crime or that sin must incur some type of judgment. What is the judgment? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So the only way to pay for that sin is to die. Alright, so if you lied, if you ever lied before in your whole life, then your judgment is what? It's death. And you have to pay. Somebody got to pay for sin. God is just. Well, don't he just forgive? Yes. Forgiveness is available after judgment. Alright? Won't he just forgive? Well, let's think about that for a second. What if a criminal act, a vicious criminal act was done against your family member, daughter, son, auntie, mama. I, you know, somebody walked up to him and smacked him. Pow! And it was evidence showing that this criminal smacked your mama, your daughter, whoever you love. We go to court for it. And the criminal sits over there and says, judge. I promise I won't do it again. I promise I won't do it again. Would you just forgive me? And the judge let him go. Now, what's justice justice served? Justice wasn't served. Why? He just let him go. How would you feel about that? How would you feel? Yeah, you, all y'all. How would you feel about a criminal act done against your mama? Then we go to court. And the judge just let the criminal go away. Say, I just forgive him. How would you feel? Angry. Would that be a good judge? To just let him go? And it was done against your family member? Nah. I'm going to be ready to get at that judge, right? That's not a good judge. Let something happen to my kids and he just let the dude go? You know, many people think that's how God is. They say, you know, I say, you know, you know, if you ever lied, you know, death has to be paid for that. You know, God just forgives. Hold on now. He do forgives. But you have to know that death is coming to you. And that's why we need Jesus. And this is why the good news is so good. Because I was without hope. I was on my way to hell. This is why Jesus is so good. And you sit in that same courtroom, and right when the judge say, "Oh yeah, it's time for you to do your time," the sentence is death. And so now the reality of your sin just hits you. You mean to tell me I got to die for this? I got to do time for this lie? Yeah, you do. But then Jesus steps in and do the time for you. And he pay your fine for you. And that's why it's so good. That's why the gospel is so good. Because people have sentences against them that they don't even know about. And until you come tell them and explain to them the gospel, how can you get someone saved? If you really believe in this stuff, Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 3, 16 and 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. He paid for it through the body of his son. So how do you receive? How do you actually receive Jesus? How would you tell your friend? How did you receive? All right. How did you receive? Think about that. When did you first believe? Because there is a belief in Jesus that don't produce righteousness. There is a belief in Jesus that doesn't produce Jesus. It actually produced more and more death. How do you determine which belief that you fall in category with? Because the devil believes. You know, many people think that just saying, I believe, saves them. And what that statement is actually saying is, I believe God exists. they actually agreeing that God exists, but agreeing that God exists doesn't save you. The devils believe that, and they are not saved. All right? So how do you determine and decipher what your belief is? What category of belief you fall under? Because there is a belief that changes your heart, that converts the soul. All right? So Romans 10, verse 8 through 13 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if we confess with, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, and before we go to verse 10, listen to that. It says, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is is Lord. Alright. Then verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Alright? So the Bible says that we should believe in our heart. But how do you do that? Because many believe, I believe, I believe, that you, you have a lot of people that has been f- falsely converted. You have a lot of people that has been proclaimed to be a Christian because they said a prayer because they came to the altar and then now the preacher labels them as a Christian and now from there they walk off a Christian. That's the extent of their belief. The pastor praying for you do not save you. Coming to the altar do not save you. Crying on the altar do not save you. Being baptized in water do not save you. Amen. You will go down a wet devil and come, you'll go down a dry devil, come up a wet one. Amen. The, the change must begin in the heart. Many people believe in their head. How do you believe in your head? Well, you just accept it. You know, you say the prayer, never really believe in your heart. Never really understand that you're about to bust hell wide open. Many people believe that God sends people to hell. I I don't believe that. I believe hell was a place that was created because people didn't want God. All right, so you cannot, if you don't want God, you're not going to benefit. And this is what's so truthful about my statement. If you don't want God, you cannot benefit From his relationship. Many people want the blessings of the Lord, but they don't want God. Many people have a belief in God without a relationship with him. All right? So hell is a place that was created because people don't want God. God didn't want that to happen. But he has given mankind the ability to choose. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth confession. One confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches upon all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So the Bible says that Jesus is a gift that must be received. But how do you know if you receive Jesus? Well, you must develop a need for Jesus. Loving God and knowing you should love God is two different things. All right. Wanting to believe in Jesus and actually believing in him is two different things. Going to church do not save you. All right. We are saved by what God do, not by what you do. The Bible says, think about that. It's the works of God that saved you. The cross was all God's idea. God coming down and saving mankind wasn't mankind's idea. It didn't start from mankind. It didn't come from mankind. It came from God. Amen. It came from what he initiates and his works because mankind couldn't have done it. Amen. So what does that mean? That means we must realize that we are lost. We are lost without Jesus. How do we realize that? Well, if you ever broke one of God's laws, if God judged you by the law and the wages of sin is death, then your payment would be death. So how do you receive your debt, sin debt paid? Because God paid it. Either you let Jesus pay for your sins or you got to pay Pay for eternity. Now, I'm going to get into that. Many people, I'm about to explain to y'all how big and lavish God's love is for you. It's so big that he sent his son down to come and die for the sins that you committed. This is why I don't have to die. This is why I can 100% know that I will go to heaven. 100%. You don't have to doubt. You're going to heaven. If the words say you saved, then you are saved. But how do you accept it? What is the evidence of you have accepted Jesus? I know one thing. You will thank him. When the last time, I asked you this question. When the last time, if you say you're a Christian, when the last time you thanked Jesus for saving you? If Jesus was a gift, and I gave you, if I gave you $200 right now, what would you at least say? At least say thank you if you would received it. If you done have received it, how do you know if you received Jesus? This is one of the fruits that's gonna display in your life. You, it will come out your mouth. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. When is the last time you thank God for saving you from the pits of hell? <laughs> Think about that. When is the last time you got on your knees and said, "Thank you, Lord God, for saving me from the pits of hell." And this is something I'm I'm, I'm reminded to do all the time. The Lord gave me a revelation of hell, and I'm going to leave y'all alone. Hell, when I grew up, how many of y'all heard about hell? I did. And what were we we told? It's a lot of fire. It's hot. I know my AC just went out. I know I can't go to hell. (laughs) I cannot go to hell. I'm up here thanking the Lord. Oh, thank you for saving me. My AC out. It reminded me of how good God was. Because <laughs> I felt that heat. I'm like, Lord knows I can't go to hell. I'm not burning like a crisp. All right, but let me give you a revelation of hell that should bring gratitude to, for Jesus and the cross and what he's done for you. All right? So, have you ever been hungry? Yes. yes. I'm, I'm talking about hungry. where you willing to eat off another's plate like leftovers? Hungry. Uh, You think so? What about going into that trash? Most of us ain't been that hungry, have we? Amen. Thank God we haven't. But I can only imagine if I got to that and I seen a half piece of chicken eaten in the trash, I would eat it. Now thank God I don't have to go through all that. Amen. But you ain't really never been hungry if you ain't have to do that. All right. The Bible says that uh, imagine being in a place where you're always hungry. That's what hell is like. Hell is a place where there is no satisfaction at all. There is no relief. in nothing. All right? So let me give you a, a revelation, a more deeper revelation. Imagine being hungry forever. Forever. All right? Have you ever been thirsty before? Amen, none, do, none wouldn't do it but water, right? I got to have me that H2O, right? You probably got H2O in that, huh? Amen, got to have me some water. The Bible says that hell is a place where your thirst do not get quenched. Just imagine being hungry forever, now you're thirsty forever. We ain't even got to the fire. Listen, I'm gonna, let me let you know something. God, pl- hell is a place where God ain't. So you got to understand, there is no satisfaction in no area. See, heaven is ultimate satisfaction in every area. You do not lack in nothing. There ain't no warning in heaven. All right? So what is hell? It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. Now, to, 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 to add, you know, some more to it, have you ever been tired before? I'm talking about really, really tired where you had to. I got to go. I'm talking about you strung out. So just imagine being, the Bible says there is no rest. There is no thirst in hell. So just imagine being hungry, thirsty, tired. You can't go to sleep. Ain't no going to sleep. Forever. And this is what Jesus saved you from. Forever. Forever. the worst thing in hell is your conscience. You remember every time you could have accepted Jesus and didn't. And this is how I get them saved in the streets. You're going to remember this ugly face forever. You're going to you see this face right here. You're going to see it forever and get saved. Give your heart to Christ. And then you add the fire to that. And I'm just giving you just a little bit. And Jesus paid the price so you wouldn't have to go. But the Bible says if you want to, you can. Why? Because the the most important other gift that he gave you is your ability to choose. God had given you the ability to choose not to want him. That's love. That's love. If he didn't give us a will we'd be robots. But he's given us the ability to choose. So it's not God's fault that people go to hell. He don't want nobody to go. He's done everything he could to prevent mankind from ever going. So if a person wanna want if a person don't want God, you're only other option. You're saying I want judgment. I want to pay for my own. And it's amazing, man. I see all kind of stuff on the internet. I bet you hell would be fabulous. And this is what the world has come to. But I am preaching like this so you can stop playing in closing. Why am I giving you the ultra, unadulterated truth like this? So you really trust in the Savior that's a wrap thanks again for tuning in to the restoration force for church audio podcast we pray that you have been encouraged and empowered by today's message if you would like to learn more about our church please visit our website by going to r4sq.org we pray you have a great week god bless